Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Do you have a safe deposit box? Do you live in an apartment? Do you maintain some of your possessions in one of those roadside storage units that we're all so accustomed to seeing all across the country? Listen up. Everybody should listen up, but in particular, if any of those categories apply to you. About a month ago, I saw a story in the L.A. Times that fascinated me. Michael Finnegan wrote it. It was under the headline, FBI wants to keep fortune in cash, gold, jewels from Beverly Hills raid. And this was the lead of the story. When FBI agents asked for permission to rip hundreds of safe deposit boxes from the walls of a Beverly Hills business and haul them away... U.S. Magistrate Steve Kim set some strict limits on the raid. The business, U.S. Private Vaults, had been charged in a sealed indictment with conspiring to sell drugs and launder money. Its customers had not. So the FBI could seize the boxes themselves, Kim decided, but had to return what was inside to the owners. Yet the FBI is now trying to confiscate $86 million in cash and millions of dollars more in jewelry and other valuables that agents found in 369 of the boxes. Prosecutors claim the forfeiture is justified because the unnamed box holders were engaged in criminal activity. They have disclosed no evidence to support the allegation. This raid and the subsequent litigation is the focus of a great piece that was written for Smirconish.com by Rob Johnson, a senior attorney at the Institute for Justice. That's a public interest law firm that defends property rights nationwide. Hey, Rob, thank you so much for being here and for writing that great piece. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So who are Paul and Jennifer Snitko? So Paul and Jennifer Snitko are two clients of ours at the Institute for Justice. They are um, you know, residents of Los Angeles. Uh, Paul is a retired defense contractor. Jennifer Snitko is an entertainment lawyer. And they rented a box at U.S. Private Volts. You know, they have a house. Uh, it's in the hills in Los Angeles where there's been a huge amount of wildfires. So they were worried about wildfires. And they rented a box to keep some of their most you know, sentimental possessions, things like an old railroad watch that Paul inherited from his father um, or Paul's class ring um, or even like things like their baptismal certificates. And none of this was of any value, but it was all except to, except to them, of course, 
Um, but it was all stored in their box in this facility that was raided by the FBI. And what's the history on private vaults? I know that part of their advertising campaign was to trumpet the fact that they don't ask questions. And that apparently, at least according to law enforcement, attracted not your clients, but an unsavory client base. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the thing that's important to understand here is that banks don't like to operate safe deposit boxes anymore. So banks are getting out of the business. And so if you're somebody like Paul and Jennifer Snitko and you want to keep your stuff in a safe deposit box, you know, banks aren't really an option. You know, they asked their bank, can we keep stuff at the bank? And the bank said, no, you know, they, they aren't interested in doing that anymore. So, you know, they looked on Google and they found U.S. private vaults. And sure, I mean, you, the, the facility is advertised as private, but that's exactly what you want a safe deposit box to be, private, a place where you can keep your things in privacy. So what then went on? There was a raid executed. Give me the background as to how that all transpired and what the basis was for it. Sure. So the government alleged that, you know, some of the people who worked at U.S. private vaults were engaged in some illegal activity. Um, and then on the basis of that, they then raided the entire facility. They cracked, cracked open every single box in the facility, um, videotaped all of the contents, inventoried all of the contents, even though they didn't allege that any of these box holders had done anything wrong. Um, so, you know, this is like if you had an apartment building and somebody said, well, the landlord you know, was dealing drugs out of the front stoop. And then they say, well, therefore, we're going to go in and we're going to search every single, every single apartment in the entire building. And it's just outrageous. Rob, the, the affidavit, uh, is that really the way I should describe it? What, what the magistrate approved said, and you correct me where I'm wrong, well, you can look at the boxes but you can't look at the contents. Wasn't that a prescription for disaster? How can you do one without the other? So what the affidavit or the, the warrant said was that, you know, you can go in and you can look at these boxes to the extent necessary to identify who owned it so that you can give it back. But as soon as you figured that out, you've got to stop. So like in the case of Paul and Jennifer Snitko, they actually had a letter right at the top of the box when you opened it. Um, that had their name, their contact information right there. And so what the FBI should have done was open up the box, find that letter, and then stop. You know, that should have been the end of it. But that's not what happened. You know, when Paul and Jennifer Snitko went to get their uh, property back, you know, months, months after it was seized, what they found was that the FBI had uh, taken every single item out of their box, put it into evidence bags, and they had rifled through everything. Um, just an intense invasion of privacy. And then they had to sit there in a witness interrogation room and look through all of this stuff, make sure that it was all still there with the you know, camera beaming down on them like they're some sort of criminal. Uh, and I was sitting them with there while they were doing this. And it was things like, you know, a baptismal certificate, a birth certificate, just totally innocent documents that but very private that had been pawed through by the FBI. Have they now received all of their possessions back? So Paul and Jennifer Snitko have gotten their property back. Essentially, the stage we're at now is that the FBI has divided up the boxes into boxes that are you know, valuable and boxes that are not. And people like Paul and Jennifer Snitko um, you know, have gotten their property back months after the seizure. But then people like our other clients, like Jenny Pearsons and Michael Stork, who had $20,000 in silver in their box, um, now the government is trying to keep that silver 
uh, forever. Okay, and who who bears the burden? And that's what's so outrageous here is that the government is essentially putting the burden on people like you know Jenny and Michael, her her husband, to prove their own innocence. You know, the government hasn't said what crime it even thinks occurred uh, in these boxes. So, you know, hasn't accused Jenny, Michael, any of the box holders of any crime. And yet it's saying they have to come forward and prove their own innocence in order to get their property back. How do you do that? You know, how do you even, how do you prove that you're innocent without even know without even knowing what it is you're accused of having done? What does the Fourth Amendment protect against? So the Fourth Amendment protects against unreasonable uh, searches and seizures of your private of your property, essentially. And, you know, that's really what this case is about. If, if the government wants to break open a private space like a safe deposit box, it needs to get a warrant. And to get a warrant, it needs to have probable cause that you did something wrong before it can open up your box. And the government just completely disregarded that in this case. I said at the outset, listen up to this conversation. If you live in an apartment, if you have a a, a private uh, uh, a private box, or if you're renting one of those storage units, I, I took for granted that people recognize they've got some inherent protection if they're living in a private residence. But I guess your point is that the Fourth Amendment would apply to each of these circumstances. Sure. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're keeping your property in your home and your safe deposit box and your storage locker. You know, as long as it's in a private place, the government needs to get a warrant before it can crack that open. Okay, what then is forfeiture? Sure. So civil forfeiture is a legal mechanism that allows the government to take property and then to put the burden on the property owner in order to prove their own innocence in order to get that property back. And that's and that's what's going on here in the Beverly Hills private vault case. Yeah, so the government is trying to take these, you know, the contents of these over 300 boxes using civil forfeiture. And they're saying to these, um, you know, box holders, if you don't come forward and actually claim this property and convince us that we should give it back to you, we're going to keep it. At the Institute for Justice, do you challenge the whole underpinnings of civil forfeiture or the way that civil forfeiture was used in a case like this? Yeah, civil forfeiture is wrong and it's unconstitutional, and there's no way to fix civil forfeiture. The way that this is supposed to work under the Constitution is, you know, if the government thinks you did something wrong, they should convict you of a crime. And then once they've convicted you, they can keep your stuff. Sure, that's that could be part of the penalty. That's called criminal forfeiture. But the problem with civil forfeiture is the government is taking people's property and keeping it without convicting them of any crime. I'm accustomed to seeing, although I haven't recently, notification of of sales of automobiles or jewelry or other personality being sold by the federal government because at some point maybe it was the DEA seized those items in connection with a drug investigation. That's that's how it's ended on my radar screen in the past. Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, I mean, you could see that or uh, uh, something that comes up all the time is you have somebody who's driving on the side of the road and they have a large amount of cash in their car and the government takes it and says, you know, just because you're driving with cash, we're going to make you prove your innocence in order to get that money back. And this is just like another step beyond that, because here you're not even driving with the cash. You're just keeping it in a box. 
Well, in this case, in the Beverly Hills case, I, I get it that you've that your clients have stepped forward. They've retained you as counsel. They want their birth certificates and their jewelry and the watch that you described. They want that returned. Are there, you know, buckets of money, gold, silver, something else of value that no one has stepped forward to claim? And if so, what do you think should happen in that case? Because if if I'm someone who has a lot of cash or other valuable items, and I've not said anything in this case, then isn't the presumption that you were up to no good? Yeah, I mean, so if nobody steps forward to claim it back, I don't see how, you know, at that point, no one's going to get it because no one's came come forward to claim it. But I think, you know, the important thing in this case is the government needs a warrant if they want to even open these boxes in the first place. And so none of these boxes ever should have been opened. You know, because the government never had any basis to do that. And we don't well, want to. But, live but again, in a- you 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 made clear at the outset and this this is this is sort of the curve in this whole issue. The target here were not clients like yours, as I understand it. The target were the people who were operating this business because the theory was they were up to no good, presumably with some of the people who came and and rented the boxes. So it was poorly designed from the get-go because it's just impossible to say, well, you can execute a search warrant and focus on this business without looking at the people who were relying on this for storage. Well, I mean, they could have seized the business's property, for instance. But yeah, if they need, if they want to open up these boxes of the individuals, they need to actually have some probable cause that the individuals did something wrong. And you know, the the fact of the matter is they don't have that. They never had it. And so they were never able to get a warrant that allowed them to open the boxes. And what they're doing now is it's completely beyond the terms of the warrant. It's unauthorized and it's unconstitutional. What's the current posture of this case? So uh, the current posture is that the judge actually has issued a temporary restraining order uh, in favor of our clients, saying that the government cannot forfeit this property. Uh, without first telling people what they've done wrong. Um, So, you know, the government sent out these forfeiture notices, throwing people into this forfeiture process. And the notices don't actually say what crime anybody is, you know, even accused of having committed. And they don't say what factual basis the government has for thinking they did something wrong. And the judge has said that's unconstitutional. You know, you're entitled to know what the government thinks you did wrong. Is this story, this case of a business called U.S. Private Vaults in Beverly Hills, an aberration, an interesting one-off, good talk radio fodder, or is there something here that a nationwide audience should be concerned about and paying attention to? Yeah, this is much more than an aberration. And there's, there's really, you know, two things there. One is that, you know, this is an extension of civil forfeiture more generally. And, what, you know, we see this with people who are traveling with cash. We see this with people who, you know, have cash at the airport. And this is just the next extension of that. It's taking, um, you know, the government, the government takes billions of dollars of property every year with civil forfeiture. And now they're trying to take property just because it's being held in a private safe deposit box. And I think anybody who has property, you know, in a safe deposit box, uh, in a storage locker, um, you know, honestly, even in a safe in your own house, I think anybody who has cash or valuable property in a place where the government doesn't know about it needs to be concerned that the government's basically saying, if you're keeping a large amount of cash somewhere where we don't know where it is, that's suspicious and we're going to treat you like a criminal. 
and and what can people do, if anything, to protect themselves? Well, I mean, <laughs> I think the the important thing here is that the, the to stand up and say the government can't do this. You know, the, the and I think so far the judge has agreed with us that the government can't do this, and we're going to fight for a ruling so that people don't have to worry about this and don't have to protect themselves because. Honestly, we don't want to live in a country where you can't keep property in a in a safe private place and have it be free from government intrusion. Is the court thus far saying to the federal government through that temporary restraining order, hey, you didn't carry it out the way that we asked you to? You exceeded your authority? So the judge so far has been fo- focused on the forfeiture aspect of this and has told the court the has told the government that the forfeiture notices and the forfeiture is unconstitutional. The judge hasn't addressed the warrant yet. But, you know, I think when the judge looks at it, I don't see how the judge can look at the warrant and then look at the search and say that this didn't exceed the terms of the warrant. The final question, and thank you for being so gracious with your time. Sum up, $86 million in cash and millions of dollars more in jewelry and other valuables were seized by the FBI in a search of 369 private storage boxes in Beverly Hills. Why should the rest of us care? You know, this is about your right to privacy, and it's about your right to hold your private property in a place where the government can't get to it. And the government is basically saying, if you keep your private property somewhere where we don't know about it, then we're going to take it and we're going to make you prove your own innocence to get it back. And that's un-American and it's wrong. Rob Johnson, thank you so much for that. That was great. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. This case, the focus, by the way, of a Wall Street Journal editorially at the at the end of last week, guilty until proven innocent. The journal said this, when the FBI raided U.S. private vaults in Beverly Hills in March, it did so after the business had been indicted for conspiring to launder money, sell drugs and other crimes. But the FBI also took control of $86 million in cash and valuables it found in the safe deposit boxes of people who haven't been accused of a crime. Some of these folks have sued, and two weeks ago, federal judge R. Gary Klausner granted a temporary restraining order preventing the FBI from taking permanent legal title of the seized contents of the plaintiff's boxes. It then summarizes the case and concludes this way. If the FBI and U.S. attorney have proof of wrongdoing, bring it on. But the burden for depriving an American of property is on the government to prove guilt not on the targeted to prove innocence. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. 
No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.